Good afternoon, Will family. Uh, we can do better than that. Good afternoon, Will family. All right, my name is Chris Ernest. I am a covenant member here at the Well, and I'm also uh, a part of uh, the Lake Line CG, or Cedar Park Lake Line CG. Y'all in the house? Stand up. There we go. Represent your clique. Um, today I have the honor and privilege of getting to read uh, our scripture for today, and it's a doozy. It's a long one. Um, it's coming from 1 Corinthians 12, um, verses 4 through 11, and then we're going to hop over to 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 1 through 12. Here we go. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by, the, by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Jump into chapter 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. And on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in, a tongue, in tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for the battle? So with yourselves, if, you, if with your tongue you utter speech that is unintelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if you do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good afternoon again, family. Oh, yeah, we go in there today. All right. A few of y'all just got to the edge of your seats like, mm, yeah, I've been waiting for this. All right. A few of y'all just sat back and kind of holding your chest a little bit. All right. Uh, we're about to get Samuel L. Jackson in here, though. Hold on to your butts. That's Jurassic Park for you youngins, all right, if you don't know that reference. 
Uh, no, I'm kidding. A couple of things I want to ease in case there is some tension in us up front. Uh, firstly, we are assuredly not going to cover everything today, all right? Uh, at some point in the near-ish future, uh, I have plans on going through 1 Corinthians, and this is when we can uh, further dive into the idea of the charismatic or the manifestation gifts or the supernatural gifts, if you will, all the things that we just read about on the screen a second ago, uh, because this is not a series on the spiritual gifts. This is a series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so while part of what the Spirit does is manifest the power of God, we're not going to cover every nuance of this today. And then secondly, from the jump, I want to acknowledge that with a church as diverse as ours is, there's going to be all sorts of different perspectives on these types of spiritual gifts. Some of y'all have no frame of reference for church history or how these supernatural gifts have been used. You may be even hearing about this and learning about this for the first time, and honestly, you may be in a better place than all of us because there's no baggage that you're carrying into this. As we talked about at the start of the series, some of us are flying Southwest. We got all the bags, right? Uh, some of y'all are flying Spirit Airlines. You ain't bringing no bags into this. All right? Uh, and so that's great. And uh, some of our experiences, it might be that the gifts were actually used in really harmful, uh, maybe even in abusive ways. Like, you may not even feel comfortable talking about this. Like, you're on your phone looking for another church right now. All right? <laughs> Uh, and I understand that, and I'm sorry if this is the case, and I hope that the well is a place where you can see some of these things done well and even heal from what you've seen be mistreated in the past. Uh, we ain't gonna pull out snakes up here or something, all right? That's what I'm saying. Uh, I think that very few of us have seen these functioning in a healthy, gospel-centered, Christ-exalting, church-building sort of way. If you have, man, praise God, all right? You can lead the rest of us. Because most of us actually have a lot of different baggage, myself included, with the way that this has been practiced. And so if you're on one of the extremes, like I don't even know if these gifts are for today, or like why, why aren't we speaking in tongues every other second, right? Hey, welcome, we're glad you're here. I hope to kind of get us to a place where there's health even before the end of today. And if you're walking into church and you feel like, man, this sounds more like a superhero film than it does like a church gathering, hey, welcome. All right, we do hope you see some supernatural things. And so we got a lot to cover. All right, I hope to have a little bit of fun this afternoon and even kind of help set pace for who we hope to be as a church. Cool? Hold on to your butts. Here we go. As a quick reminder, uh, we are a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, but we also want to be guided by the Word of God so that we may push back darkness on this earth. Now think about that phrase for a second. We use it in our call to worship. I'm using it intentionally again now. Like that's an absurd statement that we believe that we can push back darkness and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Like, why do we believe that? We believe this because the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of us. And so our work and our jobs and how we raise our families and the friendships that we have and how we share the gospel and how we disciple new believers and the smallest things to like how we welcome someone into our gathering to the biggest decisions that we make in our life, we believe that we can advance the kingdom of God. 
This is profound, family. The reason we believe this is that we have the person of God, the Holy Spirit himself, the empowerer himself, the light of the nations himself dwelling inside of us. So when we say that we can push back darkness, we do not mean us as human individuals. We mean the Spirit of God dwells inside of us, and because of that, we can push back darkness on earth. We want to do that. We anticipate doing that. We believe that God wants to do that through us. And so as a reminder, real quick, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, we said at the start of this series that uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. Dr. Wayne Grudem said that. And so we cleared some misconceptions in week one, and then we talked about how the Spirit wants to bless us with the presence of Christ. And then Travis, who did a great job on his first sermon, yeah? Come on, that's so good. Travis talked about how the Holy Spirit produces fruit in you. He builds character in you. He makes you more like Jesus, maybe even the most important work of the Spirit as he's transforming you into the image of Christ. Adam then talked about how the Spirit gives us spiritual gifts by which we can impact the world around us, how he empowers us for ministry. And this week, I wanna talk about how the Holy Spirit manifests the power of God to us. And so as we start off with our base text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses four through seven, it really leads us into the rest of what Paul is talking about. Now, the spiritual gifts that Paul talks about right after in verses eight through 11 and then into chapter 14 are the extreme gifts, if you will. They're the miraculous ones or the charismatic ones or the manifestation gifts. So as you hear me use that language, this is what I am saying. And remember, part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active, present, powerful hand of God to us and in us and around us. And so we see that even here in verses four through six as Paul begins to highlight the Trinity here, the gifts that we have, he says, the service that we do, the activities that we give to God are a worship act towards the Father God, towards Christ our Lord, and towards the Spirit of God. This is all done for the common good of building up the church. Therefore, it is all done to glorify the God of the universe. Paul highlights this Trinitarian act that each part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, are working amongst us as we serve him and give ourselves to him. Essentially, what Paul is saying is that these gifts that he's about to lay out is the Holy Spirit showing us God in shadow. He's showing us God in part. He's manifesting the power of God to us, helping us to eagerly anticipate what we will one day see in full. One day, we will see what we are talking about here in full. Paul hints at this in chapter one, and he's now pulling it out further in this section. And so the manifestation gifts are a way that God reveals his power and presence to us and through us. In other words, when somebody gets healed, it is a foreshadow of the future kingdom that is to come when there will be no more suffering and when all things will be perfect. When we see healing, what we are seeing is what we will all taste one day if we believe in Jesus. 
When someone speaks in tongues and another person understands that, it is the reverse of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. It is a picture that one day we will be able to communicate with everyone around us with no more hostility or division, each of us understanding one another and being unified for the glory of God. Or it is also used as a prayer language, this loftier language than what we can speak, which one day we will be able to communicate to God in this perfect language of love. It's a foreshadow of what is to come. When someone exercises the gifts of knowledge, they know something about you or they are revealing something about God that nobody else could have ever known, what they are foreshadowing is what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, which says this, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Listen, now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. First of all, the promise in that verse is absurd. You will one day know God the way that God knows you. That's unbelievable, right? So this word of knowledge, though, is actually a foreshadow of what we will one day receive when we know God in full. And so let me say it like this as we start off this sermon, is that every single one of these gifts that seems weird, it is weird, okay? Because it's beginning to paint a picture for us that not a single one of us are familiar with, right? Like, like we are earthly people and we are used to seeing brokenness and so when the manifest power of God is revealed to us, it feels strange because we're not used to seeing the kingdom of God. We're used to seeing the brokenness of our world, yet the Holy Spirit's job is to manifest the presence and the power of God. In other words, he's kind of giving us a movie trailer into the feature picture that the kingdom will give to us forever. You're seeing glimpses of what your eternity will be like, family. This is what these gifts are meant to do. And this is where one of the major mistakes comes in when talking about these sorts of gifts. Because for many people, they focus on the gifts, and this is actually where the hurt directly comes in at. We're not supposed to focus on the gifts, but rather the God who gives the gifts. You see, it's like focusing on a wedding dress rather than the bride herself. The dress, it might be stunning, right? It might even be worthy of looking at, but to begin to over-focus on that is actually stealing from the glory of the bride on her great day, and oftentimes we're like that with the gifts where we're focusing on the dress rather than the, the person wearing it. We're focusing on this miraculous rather than on the miracle worker himself. This is where hurt comes in at. The gifts, they're meant for the building up of the body. They ready us for the kingdom of God that is to come. Or they show what the kingdom looks like to others so that they would desire to enter into that kingdom more. In fact, so much are the gifts meant for us to worship Christ and not so that we can randomly know the future or be wowed at this miraculous wonder. So much are we supposed to focus on the giver above the gifts that Paul tells the Corinthians he would rather not have them use these gifts if it steals from the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 28, Paul says this, right? Where he says here, he says, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, 
and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. This ain't a magic show or some mystical thing that we look at. It's meant for the building up of the church to focus on God himself. Remember, the role of the Holy Spirit is the exaltation of Christ. Right, And so good is he at his role that we often forget about the Spirit's joint divinity with God. Like we forget the Spirit is God, so we feel even weird singing to him or praying to him or worshiping him as we talked about in week one because he's so good at playing the background. And so if the Spirit of God would be so humble so as to play the background for the exaltation of Christ, how foolish would it be for you and I to over-exaggerate a gift of the Spirit over the Spirit or over God himself? It would be foolishness. May I even suggest it would be demonic. That's what Satan does. He gets our eyes off of Christ, onto something else. He told Jesus, look, throw yourself down and the angels will come and catch you. He's trying to allow the miraculous to steal from Christ himself. It's what the enemy always does. We need to be careful of this. And so, the gifts are not the goal, okay? Like, say that with me, the gifts aren't the goal. Whoo! I just got 70% of the church to talk in a sermon. Charismatic gifts ought to come all out in here, all right? Now, the gifts are not the goal, okay? Uh, the exaltation of Christ, the building up of the church, that is the goal. Paul says this over and over and over again. For example, on the screen, 1 Corinthians 14, verse three through five once again. He says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and their encouragement and consolation. It's for other people is what he's saying there. The one who speaks in a tongue, he only builds himself up. But the one who prophesies, he builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, sure, but even more, I want you to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. How many times does Paul have to say this in just two verses, right? In three verses here. It's for the church, it's for the church, it's for the church. It is the exaltation of Christ and the building up of the body of Christ, the church which glorifies Jesus. He says it again in verse 12. He says it again in verses 18 through 19 as well. Simply put, the Spirit is out here just trying to make Christ look dope, y'all. That is what he is doing. He's trying to uh, perform the will of Christ, which is the building up of the church of God, and these gifts, they do just that. They build up the church and they exalt our King Jesus. And so if you want a main takeaway for today, I'm giving it to you on the front third of the sermon, the Holy Spirit is good, y'all. That's the main takeaway from today. The Holy Spirit, he is good. Okay, but even though he's good, every single one of his gifts can also be distorted. And in some ways, honestly, the more powerful the gift, the more it is able to be distorted and then used to harm the people of God. You think about something like sex, right? It is a powerful gift of God, and yet because it has so much power, it can also be used to unravel our entire life. The same is true with these gifts. And this is where some of the church hurt, I believe, comes in at. Because many people have been hurt by over-focusing on the gifts or misusing them for their own glory. And I think one of the dangers is that many people mistake having spiritual gifts with the evidence of Christian maturity. Y'all tracking with that? 
right? They mistake these spiritual gifts as the evidence of a mature Christian. Like, the greater the gift, the more mature, and this just simply isn't true, y'all. The Holy Spirit, chapter 12, verse 11, Chris just read for us, right? It says that he gives gifts to those whom he wills. Like, the Spirit can do whatever he wants out in this mug, right? He gives gifts as he wills. So gifts are not the evidence of Christian maturity, Some of the most gifted people that I know have also been some of the most flagrant people that I know, and this is the opposite of the will of God. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses one through three, where he sandwiches this section between chapter 12 and chapter 14, he says this. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, okay, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, Listen, if I can understand all the mysteries of the world and have all knowledge, and if I have all faith, most of us would say that faith is kind of what is most important. Paul's like, if I have all the faith in the world, but I have not love, I am nothing. Not I have nothing, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Look at the Southern Baptist Convention this week, right? Not to throw dirt or to throw shade because there's a lot of godly people in there, but a lot of these people that are now in trouble were probably really gifted, yet they allowed their gift to continue to take them where their character couldn't keep them. Listen, their gifts outpace their godliness, y'all. Do not allow your gifts to outpace your godliness. That's why Travis's sermon was first before this sermon, because the fruit of the Spirit in our life is more important than the gifts of the Spirit pouring out in our life. It builds the church up more. Love does, which is why it's the first gift that is mentioned, right? Because without it, these gifts can tear down rather than build up. And so people have been hurt because gifted people keep acting like they're godly people when in reality they're selfish people seeking to build their kingdom over God's kingdom. And in irony, when they do that, they usually destroy both kingdoms in the process, theirs and God's. We must allow our character to outpace our gifting. That's what Paul is saying here. In fact, in irony, y'all, probably the most gifted church in the New Testament, Corinth, the letter that we are reading right now was also by far the least mature church in the New Testament, right? Like like Corinth, they all speaking in tongues, they all prophesying, and then they go and they steal each other's communion, right? And and they sleeping with their mothers-in-law, y'all. Like, read it, it's in there, I ain't making this up, okay? You're like, I didn't know the Bible was that raw. It is, okay? Listen, often we have a hard time trusting these charismatic gifts because carnal people have used them for their own selfish gain. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater though, family. Just because some people have misused them does not mean that they are bad in and of themselves. These gifts can be beautiful in the building up of the church. So while we don't want to overfocus on any of the gifts, we also do not want to underfocus on them either. We really hope as a church never to overemphasize the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifesting work and the power of God, but we don't want to underemphasize them either and through that steal the glory of Christ that the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal. We need to hold them in balance. 
The scriptures are clear, y'all. We should long for more of the manifest power of Christ amongst us. We should long for the gifts. We should even grow into them. This is of high importance, which means, just like with the fruit of the Spirit, we can also grow in the gifts of the Spirit as well. Listen, we are not a church that believes that these gifts have ceased. I can't believe that because my testimony and my calling literally rebuke that thought. Like, I will share that with you here in a moment, but I have seen God's manifesting power at work in my life and in the life of others around us over and over and over again, manifesting himself into this broken world. In fact, as elders, we often uh, go around to different CGs and we visit them, and so far I've visited 17 different CGs, and of those 17 community groups I've visited, 12 of them, we have seen God move in miraculous ways, family. Like people being healed of things that doctors told them that they would not be able to be healed from, and, and people getting like words from the Lord for other people that were perfect on time. I see it over and over and over again. Now, why doesn't he do that with the other five? Or even of those 12 that we were in, there were also prayer requests that were not answered. I'm not 100% certain, but I do know that God seems to be wanting to manifest his power for the building up of our faith, family. I think that God wants to move. I mean, listen to Paul there, right? He clearly loved the gift of prophecy, and he's kind of hoping everybody experiences this gift or even grows in it or at least desires it, right? Chapter 14, verse one, he tells us to pursue love, okay, and then earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That word earnestly desire is actually the word to covet or to lust for. It is the only time it's used positively in the entire New Testament. It's like long for this in these deep, profound ways. He says it again in verse four. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And then in verse 39, to end this section, he says, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Now to prophesy is essentially just to have God display or speak something spontaneous to you for the upbuilding of the church. And this happens all the time. In fact, you are the recipient of other people's prophecy, often at times without even realizing it. For example, our college director, Yusuf, has been prophesied over and over and over again that he was supposed to go into ministry, but like a lot of people, he was just kind of ignoring what God was speaking over his life. And then one day he was at this worship night, minding his own business, knew nobody at this worship night, and this guy came over and said, you, and just pointed, oh, you're right there. I didn't even know you were right there, dog. What's up? I literally, that was prophecy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't even know you were right there, dog, right? He says, you, right? Points to Yusuf, who I awkwardly just did that to, okay? <laughs> he says, hey, like, I think you're supposed to go into ministry. Now listen, this guy was not here like you, uh, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and was hoping he was one for six, right? It was just to Yusuf. And all of a sudden, that time, God spoke through him, and Yusuf began to think, maybe I should go into ministry, and as God began to confirm that through other people that have been discipling him through his own story, it's part of what made him pursue the well, now he's our college director, that happened through someone's prophetic word over him. Now listen, 
I get the danger of that, right? Like, you can say whatever you want, and you're like, oh, but God told me that. And I get that, right? Like, but listen, the Spirit of God will never contradict himself, family. And so part of how you can know whether or not it is from God is you test it against the Scripture, which is what we'll talk about next week, because the Spirit would never contradict himself. And the Spirit of God is the one who wrote all of the Scriptures. And so if we get used to going to the Word of God, then we will see that the Spirit of God will never lie to us. We test it against the Word of God. So prophecy, correct, it can be dangerous, um, just like sex, right? But we don't say, okay, now we're never going to have sex again because it's dangerous. In fact, we actually celebrate it, right? We actually celebrate it. Why? Because it is really good. Listen, we also know that it can damage souls. And so we teach about how to do it in its correct way. The same is true with something like prophecy, y'all. Yes, it's dangerous, but if you learn how to do it in submission to the word of God, there's a lot of beauty here. That's true with all the supernatural gifts. Look at 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. Paul says this. He says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, okay, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Many people, they have despised or they have rejected prophecy and through this, miss part of what the Holy Spirit might be trying to do to manifest the power of God to you, y'all. Like, like, don't despise it, it says there. In fact, I believe that the gifts, they can be stronger or weaker in individuals based on how they respond to or practice that gifting. If you don't believe me, First Timothy says this, chapter four, verse 14. He says, do not neglect the gift that you have which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Paul didn't see it enough to mention it in his first letter, so he mentions it again in 2 Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you, I am telling you again, to fan into flame the gift that you have through the laying on of my hands. I think this is even why Paul encourages the uh, Corinthians to earnestly desire these higher gifts, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, he says to desire the higher gifts, to, to long for them, seek them. Why? Because they build up the church. You see, Paul didn't say, look, stop prophesying, stop speaking in tongues, because y'all are jacking this up, so stop doing that, right? Uh, listen, they were clearly doing it wrong. That's why Paul's writing about it. They were clearly not knowing how to do it, or else Paul wouldn't append to them to not do this, right? Yet here they are, they're doing it wrong. So Paul, rather than saying, you know what, this is dangerous, stop it, he says, hey, this is how you do this. This is how you carry it out in your church. You're wanting to do this, that's cool. Make sure it's for the building up of the church. Not for your personal gain, but for corporate gain. And some of us, in fear, of ruining the church of God has despised prophecy and through that you're actually ruining the church of God. There are people that probably need to hear what the Lord is putting on your heart and when you withhold that, you're withholding the manifest power of God to them, y'all. This does not build up the church. And I get it, we have to be careful. That is, that is clear all throughout the scriptures. But listen, y'all, can I be real? People have prophesied some whack truth over me before. Like garbage, okay? 
Like it was not true, it was not good, they were just kind of saying something, whatever. But can't you and I be sensitive to church leadership or sensitive to scripture or sensitive to people's character over their spiritual gifts and yet see those gifts displayed at the same time? Can't we hold those things in tension and in balance? I mean, listen, haven't people preached some whack truth over you before? Yeah, we don't throw out the word of God. We don't throw out preaching, I, I hope we don't, right? That was the whole Second Peter message on false teachers. You just need to know what to do when people do say whack things over you. And so we don't despise them or throw them away in the same way that we don't reject teaching because we heard one bad sermon. No, we actually learn with the Spirit of God and we grow so that we are able to discern the difference here. We just have to rise above people's whackness, y'all. It's really what it is, okay? Look, here's the deal, okay? Uh, I believe that God wants to move in power amongst his church, us included. I see this all the time overseas, in fact, where God is moving over and over and over and over again. I think he wants to show the power. The problem is, is that many people, they want to see the power of God and they treat it more like a magic show to be entertained by rather than a kingdom to be sacrificed for. And too often these gifts, they've been desired for personal influence, for personal value, for some weird self-celebration rather than the building up of the church. But I think if we recognize the gifts for the way that they were intended to be used, they actually glorify God and they build up the church. And it doesn't become about the person performing a certain gifts. It becomes about the recipient receiving this gift for the building up of the church of God. Y'all tracking with that? Okay, so we have to realize the importance. Here's what Paul says once again in chapter 14, verses 3 through 5. He talks about the importance of this. He says, look, speaking in tongues is cool, okay, but prophecy is better, why? Because it builds up others. This whole entire idea of the gifts is for the edification of the other person, not the exaltation of the gift themselves. And so it's not about the person that is prophesying. Paul could care less about this. That's what Americans often focus on, right? Like the Bible focuses on the people that are receiving these gifts from God, he goes on in verses 18 through 19, and he says, look, I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. He's like, I'm pretty dope player, <laughs> right? I'd be in my prayer closet sounding like an auctioneer. I said, right, <laughs> okay? But, he says, I would rather speak with five words of encouragement than thousands, 10,000 of these words. Why? Because the gifts are not about you receiving something beautiful from God. It's about you building up the church of God, family. This is what the gifts are used for. They are not a magic show. It is not about a person. They are about building up and blessing others. In fact, I would go as far to say is that when somebody's ministry is built off of their gifts, then you know it's a false ministry. That includes the gift of teaching, by the way. Because ministry should be built off of Christ and Christ alone. The exaltation of Christ. That doesn't mean that people can't have like really beautiful, really powerful, even influential gifts that move you, but if it's built off of a gift rather than a person, reject that. Christ is the only one that is worthy of exaltation. He is the only one that is worthy of our praise. And this is what the gifts are for. And when they're for that family, the gifts stop being dangerous. 
And they start being really beautiful because it's for the exaltation of Christ. This was Moses' energy, right? In Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, after all of this jealousy that was happening in the midst because there were these other people that were prophesying, they were like, hold on, Moses, like these other cats over here prophesying, and Moses is like, look, right, are you jealous for me? I want all of the Lord's people to be prophets. I want everybody to be able to hear from God and speak truth about God to other people. All of this, family, is to say at times, God chooses to move in power amongst us and even through us for the sake of other people. Now, once again, why he chooses to move at times and other times not, I don't know. Um, maybe it's often because the gifts we're seeking are actually the gifts or the blessing or the comfort that that gift can bring over wanting God himself. And so we desire to see something rather than God, which actually makes that gift idolatrous. And if God then gives that gift to us, he leaves us in a worse place than what we were before. He longs for us to worship him. This is where we come fully alive. Maybe God actually allows suffering because he wants to bring about a better deliverance to your life. And so John chapter 9, the man born blind, or John chapter 11, Lazarus, God allowed this suffering so that a better deliverance would come. And so maybe that's what's happening in your life. I do know. I don't know. But I do know at times and through certain people, God displays his power in beautiful and in miraculous ways. Can I share a couple of personal stories with y'all where I've seen this at work, just so you know how this plays out? Thanks, three people talking to y'all. The rest of y'all can keep going to sleep. All right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, uh, there was a time where I went uh, overseas and was going to uh, East Asia. I was going to China, okay? And as I was going over there, we were in this uh, meeting beforehand doing this training, and we were about to pray for the trip, and I felt the Holy Spirit press on my heart, pray for the gift of tongues. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> I ain't finna pray this and then look like a fool before everybody, right? And so I'm wrestling with this. I'm in a church that doesn't really even embrace the gifts fully. And so I'm like, I ain't finna pray for that, right? And I feel the spirit pressing. I feel the spirit pressing. And then all of a sudden, it was my turn to pray. And so I was like, yeah, God, like I pray you do beautiful things. And man, you know, God, if you want to do something crazy, like have a speaking tongues, ha, <laughs> right? I like, I want to look like a fool, Okay. And so I kind of half prayed it, and God honors our partial faith at times, okay? And so we're over there, we're in China, and it's me and this other brother, and we're going up to people, we just ask them, hey, do you speak English, okay? And if they say yes, we sit down and talk with them. If they're like, no, then we just go to someone else because there's no translator, right? So we go up and we say, hey, do you speak English? And these two people were like, yeah. We're like, oh, dope. And we sit down, I start talking with them, and they were looking at me with the most blank stare, and I was like, these cats don't speak English, right? And so then they were kind of like looking at me, and they like pointed at me, they were like, you basketball? <laughs> I was like, they don't speak no English, okay, right? And they were like, LeBron James, and they were like trying, okay? They were trying, all right? And so I'm like, okay, cool, like we're about to move on. And then all of a sudden, y'all, I felt the Holy Spirit press on me, share the gospel with them, 
I was like, whatever, maybe if they hear the name of Jesus, maybe. So I just start going, I'm sharing the gospel. I'm writing it down, I'm talking to them for a while. And as I'm looking at them, I'm like, I feel like they're like catching this for some reason. I keep sharing, I keep sharing. And all of a sudden I look over at the brother that was with me and his face was like ghost white, right? Like he was already white, it was like whiter than white, okay? (laughs) And he's looking at me with this like profound look on his face. And so I get done sharing and I look at this brother, Hyun, and I'm like, did that make sense? And he was like, yes. Um, So essentially what you're saying is that Christ was our substitutionary atonement. Look, (laughs) y'all. This is, a lot of us don't even know what that means, right? (laughs) It means he was our sacrifice on our behalf. He took on the punishment of sin, he gave us his righteousness, that's what that word means. And I'm like, how do you know that word? He was like, what? I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it was. He's like, oh, cool, that makes sense. I'm like, great. Um, what? And I look over at my brother, and he was like, hey, what is happening? And I was like, I don't know. And then it was almost as if it just ended, and the guy and I no longer could speak. And he was like, you, uh, I mean, knew no English, right? And so I leave, and I'm like, Kev, what, what was happening? And he was like, bro, you were speaking in Mandarin? Now, I didn't know that, right? Like, literally, and I said, what was he speaking in? He was like, Mandarin, right? And I was like, I heard this dude say substitutionary atonement, right? Like, what in the world, okay? Why would God do that? I don't know. Maybe because God wanted that brother to be saved. And here's what I believe. I believe I'll see that brother in heaven, and we'll finally speak with a language that is similar. In essence, God wants to move in power sometimes, y'all. And so I've seen it over and over again. I was 12, I had cancer, my granny came and prayed over me and prophesied over me and her prophecy has come perfectly true and after being in a wheelchair for three months, I literally walked the next day with the cancer disappearing off of the x-ray, y'all. God moves in power, right? Like literally, I had a dream recently which I had never experienced God in that sort of power before but it was to perfection. Family, I had a dream with people in the dream that I have never seen before in my life which you know you're not supposed to be able to do that, right? And then literally like a year later, I'm going back to the dream and I'm like, yo, that person is on our staff team now. Like, I didn't even know they existed before, and like, God was showing me, I'm in the middle of it still, actually, and there's things that have been coming to fruition, like God wants to move in power sometimes, so that y'all don't think I'm crazy, I'm gonna share somebody else's story, okay? (laughs) I'm gonna share your story, so you and I can be crazy together, all right? That's Judy Beltrez, that's Anthony's wife, okay? (laughs) Listen, there was a time, not many months ago, where there was all this suffering that was happening in Judy's life. And as Judy was sitting there singing worship, all of a sudden she started hearing all of these other voices in different tongues. And she thought Anthony was up here speaking in tongues, right? And she looked up and was like, man, okay, they're not singing, like what is happening? And she's hearing these other voices, even hearing these other instruments to an extent. And then that was it, that was the end of it. Well then fast forward a week later, a sister in our church, Kendall, came up to Anthony and said, hey, is that your wife? He said, yeah. She said, man, I don't know what happened, but last week during worship, all of a sudden I saw all these angels surrounding her and singing over her, right? Listen, God just wants to move in power sometimes, y'all, giving us foretaste of the future that is to come. Does that sound weird? Um, It is, (laughs) because we're not used to it, y'all. But all it is is these foretastes of the future kingdom that one day we'll be experiencing forever. 
You see, one day we will hear angels singing around us forever, actually. One day I will be healed forever. One day we'll be able to speak to one another forever, over and over and over again. I believe that God wants to do this. And so, how do we begin to walk in the midst of that? Well, I think that's another sermon for another time. I don't say that as a tease, right? I don't say that as like a, oh, like, I say that in that, man, I think that we need to desire the right things first, and that is the building up of the church. You see, Christ himself is the fulfillment of all of these things. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, verses 19 through 20, did Christ despise prophecies? No, and no stretch of the imagination did he. In fact, it was prophecies that led him to the cross, and Jesus was obedient to those prophecies, even to death, but the back half of his prophecy was actually about you and I, that through his death, we'd become sons and daughters of God, and then through his ascension, he would then give gifts to men. This is what we are now living in is the, uh, the, the, we're receiving the beautiful work of the gospel. Now, there's a lot left unsaid, right? Like maybe you're a little bit more cessationist. You're not really sure if the gifts are for today. Hey, listen, I would love to show you in the future why I don't think this is true, even in the scriptures, but I also want you to know like, man, please stay if that's you, right? Like we need you in this body. Your likely love for scripture is actually gonna keep us centered and grounded if you allow the Lord to do that in that way. So maintain affection for the scripture as I hope you see that we have, even as you'll hear more next week. Some of us, we wanna understand how to prophesy or like what the heck is speaking in tongues, okay? Or, or does anyone in here have the gift of interpretation or where the snakes at, right? And listen, like I get it. We wanna see those gifts more and more. Man, praise God, earnestly desire them. I think that's a good thing. But I wanna end with verse 12 because I want this to be on our heart more than we want to see something miraculous or powerful. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. Paul says, so with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Listen, please do not allow your desire to see God move in power outpace your eagerness for unity in the church. Don't let your desire to see God move outpace your eagerness for sacrifice for the church. Right? We often want to see God move, but then refuse to lift our hand in any sort of sacrifice. You ain't going to see it, y'all. What God's desire is, is the building up of the church. That's what he's about. And so be eager. Paul's not rebuking that. What he's saying is, be more eager for the church to be unified. That's what our main desire to be. And so there's a lot left, okay? And don't worry, we, we will cover more of this at some point. But the role of the Spirit is to manifest the power of God on earth as it will one day be in heaven. And I pray that throughout our church's history, we would see the manifest power of God in beautiful ways. Not so that we can be wowed by magic, but so that you and I can literally have our faith strengthened and that we may know that God is amongst us, that we would worship him and unify around him, and that we would push back darkness for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Uh, let me pray something really specifically over you, even in light of this sermon, okay? So let's pray together. Um, yeah, precious Father, I thank you for the word of God. 
Thank you that at times the power of God, you, you just manifest amongst us. And so God, I pray very boldly that you would actually gift many people in this church with the gift of prophecy. Um, whether that's a one-time thing for a moment for the edification of others, whether they actually operate in the midst of that gift, would you actually allow us to see things about other people for their building up, for their consolation, for their encouragement, as the text says? God, I pray for healing for people in this room. God, when there's ailments emotionally or physically or spiritually, I pray that you would heal, Jesus. I have seen you do that literally, almost, probably almost a hundred times in the life of this church. I pray you would do it again. And that we would worship you for it, God, not for some selfish that we can even give that much more to you. God, I pray there would be trust in you when you don't deliver those things. When we don't see some supernatural gift, would we see that we may be able to be the most influential people in the kingdom if we would but have character? We don't need those to serve you, that we need this character, this sacrifice, this humility. Would you gift that to us, God? A desire to know you. God, we want to receive more of you. We want to be used by you, God. God, I pray for unity in the midst of all of this, where in some denominations, this is actually divided. Hold, I pray that this would unify us, God that we'd see you moving in power. God, teach us how not to despise these gifts, as Paul says, and yet all the more how to fight for unity and love even more than these gifts. God, please display your power amongst us. Whether you gift left and right, or whether you call us just to be faithful with what we already have, I pray that these men and women would be faithful to you forever, Jesus. yet we want more of you, Christ. <laughs> and so even today, even as we conclude in worship, even as we take communion, even as we fellowship with one another, even as we pray for our brothers and sisters, man, would you speak to us, Jesus, in whatever way that we need for our own upbuilding or for others upbuilding that your name might be exalted. I ask that you would speak. Pray in your beautiful name, Christ. Amen.